Wow, good morning. Uh, grateful to have this uh, chance with you. Uh, we uh, are in an interesting time in our culture, as most of you know, if you're paying attention at all. There is a huge discussion on manhood and what it means to be a man and whether or not men are even needed at all and the damage supposedly that we do because of our toxic masculinity and at certain colleges around the United States, if you enroll as a male student, you will be required to take a class on how to get rid of your toxic masculinity. Uh, the interesting thing is that's always taught by a woman. Makes me a little suspicious. Um, it is an interesting time because uh, we have uh, a lot of things that we have never had in our culture. Uh, we have a thing called men going their own way. Uh, and it is guys who have figured out that the culture and society is rigged against them. And so they have dropped out. Uh, they're not dating, they're not engaged. Uh, they'll, they'll take a minimum risk job and, uh, and make what money they have to make, but they have given up on making any kind of impact with their lives uh, on, on the world in which they live. Uh, you have um, uh, other reactions against what is being taught in our, in our culture. Uh, trying to um, uh, compensate for all the negativity. The problem is, is that it is a reaction. It's not an action. And so we thought in this study what we want to do is we want to kind of level set it. We want to kind of go baseline. What is it that the scripture teaches us about manhood? And what is it about our personhood as men uh, that is laid out for us in, in scriptures? And one of the things you find out is from the very earliest uh, uh, words of scripture, from the very earliest chapters in Genesis, there is a real strong uh, teaching about men and who they are. And it is the idea of men as stewards. Uh, and we've talked about how God created everything. Then he created human beings, men, to um, take care of that creation. And we've talked about the stewardship of self. One of the, the worst jobs we do as stewards, guys, is taking care of ourselves. Uh, we do not take care of ourselves physically. We do not take care of ourselves mentally. We do not take care of ourselves uh, emotionally or psychologically. Uh, Williamson County has one of the highest suicide rates in the state of Tennessee. The state of Tennessee has one of the highest rates of suicide in the United States. Williamson County, depending on what list you're reading, is always in the top 15 of the wealthiest counties in America. The two suicide ca categories are this, 17, 18 year old young men, 55 year old white men. Anytime I stand before the congregation, 6% of those people in that auditorium are contemplating suicide. Don't know who they are. Don't know what they're supposed to do. Don't know where they belong. And don't think they really matter or that it will make any difference. 
So we talked about the stewardship of self. We talked about the stewardship of the garden. Interesting thing is, most of us assume that God gave us the whole world. He does not. He gave Adam a garden, so big by so big. And we talked about how important it was to know the limits of your garden. You're not responsible for everything. You are responsible for some things. And as any steward, you will have a time of accounting. Here's what was invested with me, and here's what we did with it. In verse 15 of chapter 2, God places Adam in the garden. And the verses we're going to read right after that, also in chapter 2, God gives Adam Eve, a wife. Interesting. God did not give Adam Eve until Adam had a job. So if you are a parent of a daughter, when that young man comes home and asks for the hand of your daughter, you ask him if he has a job. Here's why that's important. Guys, you have to do your work before you get married. You have to know who you are. You have to know your purpose in life. You have to know your identity and your destiny as an individual before you invite someone along with you on the journey. Do not make the mistake of getting married and expecting your wife to figure you out. She cannot do that. She was never equipped to do that. And she will end in failure and you will blame her because you put her in a position to do something that she could never do. It's important that you know yourself and where you're going. I, I tell the guys at Kairos, if you know who you are and know where you're going, you don't have to be good looking. If you can walk up to a young lady and say, this is who I am, this is where I'm going, this is what I'm going to do, I'd love to have you along for the ride because it's going to be a blast. You don't even have to be good looking. You will be so unique among the male population of America right now uh, that you'll have to beat them off with a stick. All right, let's talk about being stewards of our wives. In verse 22, here's what we read. Oh, verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over man and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a, woman leave, uh, this is why a man leaves his father and mother when bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. And both the man and the wife were naked and yet felt no shame. Interesting. This is a patriarchal culture. Okay, men were in charge. Men owned all the property. Men made all the rules. Women were second-class citizens, uh, all of that. And yet, in verse 24, the biblical writer says the man has to leave his father and mother. You'd expect it to be the other way around. You'd expect for the, for the biblical writer to say a woman leaves her home and joins the man. But it seems even in the second chapter of Genesis, we can't get guys out of mama's basement. Okay. Uh, Abraham is 75 years old when God calls him to leave his home. The world's oldest teenager. 
So if your kid is at home with you right now, there's hope. <laughs> okay, now. Um, verse 15, he's given the garden. Verse 21, he's given Eve. Adam would have received Eve the same way he received the garden. She's gift. She doesn't belong to me. I do not own her. She is not mine. She belongs to the one who created her. Our obligation, our opportunity, our calling is to maximize our wives for the glory of the master. Your wife is given to you. You are now the steward of her to make sure she fulfills every dream that Christ has for her. That means you will be the expert in your wife. Nobody should know your wife better than you do. In some ways, you should know her better than she knows herself. You should be the one who pays attention to her. You should be the one who's able to call out her gifts. One of the things about gifts is they come naturally. They come easily. Uh, that's why they're a gift. And if, you're, if you have the gift, you can't see that you have the gift. Somebody has to point that out to you. You should be the one who's pointing out the gifts in your wife. You should be the one who's putting her in a situation where she has the best chance of success and supporting her in, the, in, uh, in her goals and her choices. Because one day, you and I will give our wives back. On June 14, 1980, Jeannie and I stood in uh, the sanctuary of First Baptist Church, Columbia, South Carolina. The pastor asked her father who gives this woman to be married. He answered her family and I, and he gave her to me. There will come a day, guys, when I will have to give her back. On that day, I want to be able to say, this is who you gave me. Look at her now. This is who you gave me. Look at her now. We've got this big thing in our culture about who's in charge of a marriage and who authority is and all that, and we always misunderstand authority. And you'll hear guys, well, I'm the spiritual authority of the house. And other stuff. folks, if you have to tell people you're in charge, <laughs> you're probably not. And if you have to tell your wife you're in charge, you're probably not. Jesus said this about authority. You know how the Gentiles handle authority. How they lord it over each other. It will not be that way among you. The one who is the greatest of all will be the servant of all. Your wife should be willing to listen to you 
because she knows that there's no one in the world who loves her more than you do. There's no one in the world who knows her better than you do. There's no one more committed to her being successful, however she defines that word, than you are. You are her biggest fan. One day, the Lord will ask you about her. Now, according to Peter, who wrote in his letter, Always be mindful that women are the weaker sex and be careful how you treat your wife because some of you have unanswered prayers because of her. Now get, get, get the picture. You're praying, Jesus is listening, and instead of answering, he looks at your wife. And your wife gives you a thumb up, thumb down. Do I listen to him? Yes, listen to him. He's a good guy. Nah, I don't listen to it. Now, according to the Mormons, the wife won't get into heaven unless the husband votes to let her in. Peter says, Jesus doesn't listen to your prayers if you are not loving toward your wife. You know, you don't hear many sermons on that passage, do you? Okay, here are the, here are the table questions. Do you know Christ Desires for your wife. How do you find out? When you pray, you ask him about her. There is something about talking to the Savior who created her that will give you insight that you cannot find anywhere else. Are you committed to making his desires for her to come true? All right, here's your homework. What are your wife's goals? You'll be amazed at how many guys I talk to. And I say, what is your wife's top three goals? What are your wife's top three goals? They will not know. Well, how can you hit a target if you don't know what you're shooting at? Okay, when you're going, well, man, how do I find out? I would suggest you ask. Sit down with her and ask. How will you actively commit yourself to help her accomplish them? We are the stewards of our wives. Christ has given them to us. And one day, fellas, we'll give them back. Let's pray and I'll let you get to your tables. Lord Jesus you called Peter and James and John and Andrew and all the rest to sit down with you and listen. And, and you promised that they would sit down long enough, you would teach them the secrets of the kingdom. So join us here with our friends, for we have come to hear from you. We've come to hear from you about stuff that only you know, about what really matters and what really doesn't. So teach us. More than anything, we want to be more like you. More than anything, we want to please you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.